I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. December 20th, 2020. Sangria Wine. The Bachelor Tax. Crazy Feats of Strength. And Advent. This is awesome today. Awesome Today is a daily show, even though it technically isn't every day. It is barely edited and sometimes offensive. It is a good show. Some might even call it awesome. If you are friends with someone who doesn't think this show is awesome, you deserve better friends. Hi. Good day. Happy Sunday. Yes, it is. Today we light the fourth candle of Advent, the candle that stands for love. It's all over but the screaming and the shouting. Is that how it goes? Screaming, shouting, crying if you don't get what you want for Christmas, shouting with glee if you do. I anticipate crying. Joyful crying, sad crying. Sad crying inside. I won't let anybody see it. I'll keep my cries inside. Shoot. All right. I'm on alert. You put me on blast. I will make sure you have something that you shout for joy about. Okay. Well, it's not hard, really. What? I know what you want. What? Some leather slippers. Okay. Do you remember saying that? (laughs) I do. I don't know if I can get them here in time. Uh, No, no. If you haven't already got them, don't, don't bother. That's the whole thing. Um, Nobody wants to be the Christmas afterthought. But Kyle, Christmas starts on Christmas Day. We have 12 days. Oh, I know. Believe me, I know. Okay. It's the 12 days of sorrow when you didn't (laughs) get what you wanted. (laughs) I asked for, I, I gave gift ideas over a lot of things, any of which would be appropriate. You're looking at me with wide eyes like you don't remember any of this. But this is literally the first year in the history of me that I have I have had an answer when somebody said, what do you want for Christmas? I laid out a list. Tell the people what your list was. Nope. Because you aren't asking me to tell them. You're like, oh, damn. What can I try to hurry up and get? I hope you like things from the dollar store. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, I'll cry oh, no. inside. Oh, I'll I'm cry crying inside. inside, too. 
if it makes you feel any better. Well, beyond the fact that it is December 20th, what do we celebrate today? It's and beyond, yes, the fourth, fourth Sunday, Sunday and, and those it, things. Believe it or not, you guys, it's National Sangria Day. It feels weird at first. It feels weird in late December to be like, fire up that sangria, yeah. you guys. I think it feels weird for us because our primary, if not sole exposure to sangria is through the people of Mexico. And also it's associated, yeah, so warm weather is mm -hmm. associated with the summer months. Mm -hmm. But it's not limited to them. Well, I mean, apparently not. And here we go. Yeah. Sangria itself is just wine that's been sweetened with fresh fruit and fruit juice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or juices, depending it on how crazy be, you want to live. Could be all the juices. It can also include herbs. Or herbs. Herbs. Yes, depending on yeah. which side of the pond you're from. Yeah. Spices, carbonation, and you could even put some liquor in there. I have literally, I've, I've, I've had a lot of drinks in my life. I'm not going to lie. I've never had wine. Combined with liquor. I would bet that there are different sherries, heck, maybe even different whiskeys. Okay. That would that would be interesting and tasty with a good wine added to it. I'm not saying I'm opposed. Or vice versa, I think is what they're suggesting. Right. That you add a little whiskey to a lot of wine. But I was just thinking add a little wine to a lot of whiskey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do know what you're saying. Well, there's a myriad of accepted recipes. So many. Everyone has their own, like, sort of house sangria recipe, right? Yes. yes. And it gives it the potential to be a drink for all seasons. Now, during warmer weather, which, again, this is where I've experienced it, it can be very refreshing and light. During colder months, bright and sparkling. Yeah. So, yeah. In terms of what additive is appropriate when, yeah. um, probably your easiest path to determining that is to consider what is what is ripe right now mm, whatever stage season. of the year yeah what's in season and that would even include what spices are common to the season that you are in sure 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 i i think that's a pretty easy path to be in like okay <clears throat> let's try this I do want to issue a word of warning if you've never had a glass of sangria it can be deceptively and exceedingly drinkable. It's true. Sort of like the wine coolers of your youth. Not Ooh. yours. Yeah, I'm sure you've yeah. never had a wine cooler. Um, no, I think I I smelled one once and threw up. Well, when you're a college girl and you grew up with no drinking around you, wine coolers or a Zima with a Jolly Rancher in it. Uh, not, not much different than yeah. each other. Yeah. It's an entryway into having some alcohol, sangria. It's so drinkable. You don't even think you're drinking alcohol. And then you're like three yeah. and then you're like, woo. It's easy to go too big. And for all of the wrong reasons, before you know it, you are the life of the party. Yes. Now, I've been on a couple of uh, uh, retreats with some lady friends of mine. Janet, put your shirt on. Am I incorrect? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, it was only ladies there. We have been known to mix up some sangria because it is so drinkable. Yes. Even the people who don't normally in their real lives drink. Well, it's just juice, right? It's basically juice. What's the, can you, do you have a, a sangria memory specific? The first time I had sangria, I was at one of these uh, retreats. This was, golly, years ago, mm -hmm. years and years ago. And 
I, you know, this was even before we really drank wine on the regular. And so I was, before I knew it, I was, I knew it, but I was like three glasses in and I was like, who wants to hear my life story? Hold my shirt. <laughs> I don't know why you think people, women are not prone to taking their shirts off. Well, you uh, say that. There, right now there are many awesomes who are like, that's the story you stick with. It, I will say this. I think women, when they've had a little too much to drink, they are far less prone to removing their physical clothes. They're more prone to removing their emotional clothes. Okay. Well, There's a lot of emotional vulnerability that comes when you've had a few too many sangrias. makes you feel better to say it that way, that's fine. Okay. I know I know some things. Not Do you know sangria? Do you like sangria? I, it, I gotta, I've got to be in the mood for it. Yeah. When I am in the mood, it, it, there's nothing other than that that will satisfy. Don't you feel like it's a summer drink? Well, yeah, but again, our exposure to it. The first time I ever had it, um, this would have been the early 2000s. Early. We had, uh, as a coaching staff, I, I think it was National Convention even, that was in South Florida. Okay. And mm-hmm. we'd gone down there, and as is the tradition when you've gone on one of these trips at some point the head coach is supposed to take everyone else on staff out for dinner one of those nights kind of a bonding and a thank you type thing absolutely recognizing i make i make four to ten times as much as any of the full-time coaches multitudes more than you do and also get all the fame and glory yes and also you guys devote your very lives to this so yeah. here we go. Let's go out for a dinner. And so if I recall correctly, it was it had to have been the first year that we were at TCU. Um, we'd, gone, we'd gone to this, and the head coach had not yet figured out how to stop being miserly. Mm. And so we went to – I don't, it wasn't it wasn't a low-class place, but – it was just mildly above like a Latin version of of Olive Garden or TGI Friday or something mm-hmm. like that. Just a little bit higher class. And uh, rather than, this is sad, it's sad to say, but rather than just let everybody order what they wanted to drink, he was very budget-minded, so he ordered pitchers of Ugh. sangria because it was cheap it is cheap yeah that's another reason then it's extremely drinkable yeah well yeah <laughs> and i like uh your warning made point made light of there i i pushed a little past prime but thankfully it was before the meal had arrived so once the meal got there i was able to eat my way back into good behavior <laughs> into sobriety kept my shirt on good all that good, uh, good, good. but yeah and that was the that was the first time um, after that, it's, it's been pretty rare. I feel like we found a, a like pre-made bottled sangria yeah. not too long ago that wasn't terrible. Yeah. It was fine. good enough. No work to get it done. That's right. That's right. It can be. Oh, I know. The, I know another time. Okay. I know another time. One of the awesomes that lives near us had us over to their home and, oh, uh, we yeah. had delightful fish tacos. They were relatively new having moved here and they brought with them frozen uh, very fresh, but then frozen shark, uh, shark from the coast. Mm-hmm. And along with those delightful fish tacos, we had a, a very nice sangria. I forgot about that. It was very delightful. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Okay. This next one, whoo, 
Ooh-wee. It's interesting. I'm looking forward to some good conversation with you about this. In 1820, Missouri imposes a bachelor tax on unmarried men aged 21 to 50. A, a tax. A tax actually assessed upon you for not having married. That's right. Only for the men in this case. Equivalency in today's dollars of 225 bucks. Yep. Now, as odd as that may sound, this wasn't a new idea, nor was it an infrequently implemented idea mm -hmm. over the millennia. Because mm -hmm. in 9 AD, this was enacted in Rome, mm -hmm. it applied to men ages 25 to 60 and to women aged 20 to 50. Mm -hmm. Further, it imposed penalties on married persons who had no children. Wow. Um, a bachelor tax was instituted in the Ottoman Empire in the 15th century. That's the 1400s, in case you're wondering. That's true. That's true. Thank you for clarifying. I always that. like to point that out. It's hard to keep track. Yes. In 1695, English Parliament passed the Marriage Duty Act or Registration Tax. Marriage Duty Act. Yes. Yes. Do you think that means duty like tax or duty like you have a duty to get married? It's both and a duty on all of it because this tax imposed or impacted births, marriages, burials, childless widowers, and bachelors over the age of 25. Over the age of 25, Pretty much whatever you chose to do beyond 25 as a man, you were going to get taxed as a woman whether you had a baby, got married, buried somebody, or your husband died and you had no children, you're paying a tax any way you want to look at it. Had a baby, it's a boy. Mm -hmm. This was 1695 in England. No wonder the colonists were a little bit sensitive about taxation. Yeah, all they wanted was their representation. Mm -hmm. Well, the state of Michigan... This is, this is, I don't even know if I can read all these numbers without going cross-eyed. The state of Michigan. Wait, wait, wait. You guys get ready. Get ready for a real ride through history with the state true. of Michigan. It's true. And it's not just picking on the UP area mm -mm. either. It was the whole state. They made repeated attempts to establish a form of, of bachelor tax. 1837, 1848, 1849, 1850, 1897, 1901, 1911, 1919, and 1935. Michigan, you need to calm down. They were... Get your life together. There was some group... It's not going to happen. They were committed. They were like, no, damn it. We have to do this. Listen, from 1837 to 1850, so, there was like one person. There was one person that was on a bandwagon. It was more than one. It was a, it was a half of the state congress. Because it would get introduced, it would get developed, it would get pushed across the aisle, and there'd be a nope that didn't let it get through. Yeah. They were relentless. They were. They tried multiple approaches, multiple appeals. Like, hey, it's for public welfare. Hey, it's for curbing crime. Um, it's for state revenue. It's, they tried all the things. Nothing, nothing worked. Now, New Jersey, Montana, California and Wyoming also all made failed attempts at establishing a bachelor tax. And I say that there were uh, one or two in the list where they got it temporarily implemented, but like a year or less before it was repealed. Mm -hmm. um, in the 20th century, with mixed results, again, you find it in South Africa, 
Germany, Italy, Poland, the Soviet Union, Romania. So while originally this seemed, what, bizarre? The bachelor tax has actually been a pretty common thought and, and pursuit throughout both history and the world. All right. This makes me want to vomit with rage. I hate it so much. I hate, hate, hate the idea. I left one out. Hang on. Oh my, there's Hang even on. more. No, there's there's one thing. Um, this, and I think this was tied back to Michigan. Yes, back to Michigan. Mm. One of their versions of the attempted tax was to tax any woman who turned down a marriage proposal. Oh, you told me about that while ago. Yeah, okay. yeah, I didn't want to leave that out. That's special. Thanks, Michigan. Now, listen, I understand that from the beginning, obviously, of government, governments have been taxing people for various reasons. I, I don't like it, but I get it. This feels so personal. Maybe it's because I genuinely do feel in the most Catholic sense of the word. When we're talking about marriage, we're talking about a sacred idea, a sacred union. Mm -hmm. The idea of taxing people who are like, you know what? Either I haven't found the person with whom to enter into this union, or I just don't want to. Taxing them. Now, listen, you have more economic background and understanding than I do. And that's where a lot of this comes from. Help me understand. I, again, I'm like so angry. I'm trying to restrain. I, I'm trying not to flip over our dining room table right now. I don't know why this makes me so mad. But help me yeah. understand from the government. And, and, and I realize I'm, I'm asking Ron Swanson to advocate for the government here. But no, no. I won't advocate for them by any means. But I will explain perspectives. What is the perspective? Why would the government be like, you know what? You unmarried people. You unwashed heathens. Yes. Get married and get in bed now. Get, in, get married and get in bed or you're going to pay. Literally, you're going to pay for it. So one, one perspective, and this is not uncommon throughout, again, all of history, is that war costs money, right? Sure, of course. It costs a lot of money. Yeah. And so you're looking for any possible way to generate tax revenues. And if your region happens to be particularly high in unmarried people, then that's a that's a thing to do. Okay. It's just an excuse in that endeavor. Okay. Um, from the perspective of good the good for the community, the good for the people, that I'm sure they had statistics because we always have, and they mm -hmm. looked and said married married men are less likely to commit crime. What kind of crime? What are we talking about? I feel like that's painting with such broad strokes. Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, you got to think about, you can't look at today's legal structure and try to impose that over history. Because okay, you know where my mind goes? Serial killers. And a yeah. lot of them were married. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fair. That's fair. And I'm sure they lived back then as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, minimally, it makes it harder. And I know this is very colloquial and probably... You'll, you'll cringe at me saying this, but if you want to look at the stereotypical image of a husband and wife driving down the road and the husband is speeding, disobeying traffic, ordinances, whatever, who is there to correct him? The freaking 
What is the old ball and chain? The old ball and chain nagging me. Ever since we got married, all you do is nag me. Um, trying to keep you from committing some damn crimes. Yeah, it's a stereotype, but that's a perspective that wouldn't probably have been uncommon that the presence of <laughs> the woman would lend towards better behavior of the man. Because is it not is it not commonly a woman's goal to kind of clean her man up a little bit? I mean, I'm not going to lie. That's, that's there. But okay. do you think that's true and accurate? Do you think that being married... Mm -hmm. Yes, Helps, but I don't think tame their I don't criminal think, impulses. I don't think from that perspective. Um, again, you got to go back to the time, to the day and age, and what was appropriate and inappropriate. Well, Just hang with me, damn it! Let me talk for a minute. You go. Got to go back and look at because it's even fifty years ago. It's a lot different than it is today mm. in terms of all of the things available, all of the things expected from people, all of that. If you had a spouse at home, mm -hmm. then more often than not in the evening, you would be going home. Well, that's true. And a high percentage of crimes are committed in the hours of darkness. Mm, okay. And so it's a consideration. I'm not saying it's right. Okay. I'm saying it's a perspective. It's a consideration that they may have had. Now, probably the most meaningful consideration and this this also this would have centered around warfare as well either in the aftermath or in the consideration of looking towards all of that mm -hmm. that a ruler of an area looking less modern day here yeah the ruler of an area would have looked and realized that either his population was too small or that it was an aging population or something and they needed babies to replenish the kingdom and so they they established this weird punishment incentive to go get yourself a partner and make it happen. I'm not saying I agree with any of them, but I comprehend some of the perspectives. Well, to circle back to the propensity towards crime, apparently. You really hung up on that one. I, I'm very hung up on that. Apparently, mid-19th century, Michigan was unfamiliar with the uh, Italian Mafia Syndicate. Almost yes. all married men committing heinous crimes. Um, that's a very matriarchal statement to make. I'm sorry. You think that's incorrect? You said almost all married men committing crimes. Yes, I do think that's incorrect. You don't think that people... I, I only understand the mafia from popular culture. But you expanded that to say almost all married men committing crimes. Now, if you're in the mafia, yes, whether you're married or unmarried... That's what I mean. You are committing crimes. That's what I mean. In the mafia, if you look at the mob, the mafia, the Italian especially... And I'm not talking about other cultures. I'm sorry to be stereotypical. What about the Russian mob? I'm not talking about other cultures. I said Italian. What about the Italian? Mob? What about I said the Irish Italian. Mob? I said Italian, and I know I'm being stereotypical. Yeah, you are. But I'm sorry, all of our Italian listeners who have now unsubscribed and found a new place to go. If you look at what not only pop culture, but other documentaries and, and actual reporting on the, uh, let's just say, New York City based crime syndicate. Well, that's not in Michigan. I, that's what I'm saying. They haven't they haven't heard of the Italian mafia at this time when they're trying to pass the bachelor tax. I'm not following your line of sketchy reasoning. You gotta work harder. Help me. Help me help you. Help me understand. Help me know where it is that I have failed you. I resist 
strongly the idea that married men are less likely to commit crime. Okay. And, and it goes back to my original outrage, which is let people live their lives. I feel like this is government overreach and overstep. I'm not supporting. I know you're not supporting it, but I'm going to argue with you. I'm telling you why I want to vomit with rage when I hear about it. I am going to argue with you. Even though this is the week of love, everyone. (laughs) Are you, are you claiming that within Italian families that a man who's married is more likely to be in organized crime? No, that is Or that he's not permitted to participate until he's married. That's completely illogical. No, I'm not saying that at all. Thank you. Well, I honestly think that your perspective supports this idea loosely because when, again, back to this, not today's day and age, but go back just even a little ways, and the norm, the expectation was that if you were married, that you went home at an hour. Didn't always happen. I'm not saying it did. But the expectation was that as a man, you would go home at a certain time to take care of the responsibilities that you had agreed to through a vow. Yes. And be with your family. And so... From that perspective, though it wouldn't have been a perfect solution to all things, if you're at home, you're not out committing a crime. That doesn't mean you didn't do it during the day. But, hey, if you're a full-time criminal, if we can shave four hours off your criminal behavior by making you be married and be home and or just collect the tax if you're not going to do that, it's a it's the smallest of wins. And I, I'm only doing this to argue with you just a little bit. Because you got really prejudiced against the Italians. I'm just kidding on that part. I just like to banter with you. I, first of all, am saying that within the Italian community, getting married and having children is an expectation. Today or then? All the time. Still today. I would question that. I think it is. I would question that today. Well, you and I... I'm not talking about what grandma expects. I'm saying amongst peers of our age within the community, what the expectation is. Well, even still, it's not unusual. (laughs) Oh, no. Tom Jones, did you just start singing? It's not unusual? Alexa. We are not Italian. We are both speaking about things that we have no up close. Nope. I was kidnapped by the Italians right after the ninjas let me loose. (laughs) That we have no firsthand experience with. Neither of us. We may have read. We may have watched movies. We may have watched documentaries. We're not Italian. The way I understand Italian culture. Having a wife and having children being part of the local mm-hmm. community. Family's a big deal. Community's a, a big family's deal. a big deal. They're, they're called Italian. I, I don't think it is anymore. Families. I don't think it is anymore. How dare you? Why would you say that? Um, because every okay. generation is a, a furthering away from what the prior was. Okay. Well, let's just take the mafia piece out of this. Okay. Because... I'll let you reshape your, your weak-ass arguments. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I reject... And I am very resistant to this idea. Yes. Of? Yes. (laughs) So far, I'm affirming your words. Of women being the sort of like moral 
compass that makes oh my no, 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 gosh. That, that makes men that imposes upon men a morality to tame their feral ways that they would be out there in the streets committing crime were it not for the old ball and chain and the old one grass at home. That's you just affirmed before you started on this whole misinformed tirade that you yourself even have operated under the auspices of making me a better person. Yeah, that was before. Now I'm here. That was minutes ago. That's ancient history. Look, hey, you know what the truth is? I do know what the truth is. You make me a better person. Well, thank you. And I don't I'm see trying, any way in which I right can make Right now, you a in this person. moment, I'm trying. Oh, come now, child. <laughs> you give me a reason to want to be better. Well, thank you. And that's not new. Even before I ever would have admitted that, that's been true. And I think that's true of all men. It's it's not so much, oh, it, again, societal, societal perspectives and whatnot. When a man becomes married, has, a, has the wife, and especially then the children, he looks at himself differently in those moments and says, it's not just about me anymore. Mm-hmm. There are others now that I'm responsible to help take care of, to to help train up kids, all of that. And so there's a new focus at that moment. Even if he doesn't like his wife, if his kids are irritating, yeah. it's a universal thing where this it's a it's a reckoning, it's a new responsibility, and there is a very natural, not that it's followed all the time, but I really do believe there's a very natural inbuilt thing in a man that when he has a wife amplified, then when he also has children that he he has a call to rise to. Okay. And he sees it. All right. And that's without that's without anybody trying to manipulate him, any of that that's there. But certainly the manipulation, which you don't do. But that can have an impact, too. That's the only reason people would persist in attempting manipulation is because, on occasion, it works-ish in a fashion. Okay. That's very lovely and also a little romantic, so thank you for okay. that. Okay. Well, the tax is bullshit. The I don't want to move past that. It is bullshit. It's bullshit. Also, I think I'm also looking at this not only as a wife of 22 years, but a mother of three young men mm-hmm. whom... I look at their little lives and I want them to be able to pursue and live in alignment with whatever path they and God mafia? together. No, not the mafia. No. What if that's their path? Nope. What if not. that's their heart's calling? It's not. They have nothing. They with are the not. the absence ex- of the love of a woman and children, they're just like, what's the point? I'm going to nope. rob and pillage and... Yeah, they, I'll pay my taxes, damn it, because Dad taught me that. You got to pay the taxes or they'll get you every time. <laughs> I would love if that's what each of our children take away from their childhoods. Listen, I don't know much else about yeah. anything, but I know you have to you pay You have taxes. to do this part. Not because it's the right thing to do, but because they will get you yes. on other it's things. It's like literally the sole thing they've ever been able to successfully prosecute on. I'll do this part. Well, I'm not any more 
I'm not, I, I'm not assuaged in my feelings about this bachelor tax, but it's time for us to move on. Well, it doesn't have to be. Um, as the producer of this show, mm -hmm. I'll tell you, okay. I, we can make the decision to talk about whatever we want. Okay. I've, I've not once, hopefully, supported the bachelor tax. No, I know. And you've done a good job of helping me understand why the government would think There's this makes sense. There's perspectives. And, and if there is any glimmer of credit that I could give yeah. to governing bodies of any kind... It's when someone is at least responsible enough to look at the metrics, look at the facts, look at things of their day and say, well, this seems to be true. So if we're shooting for a specific outcome, let's go this direction. Right. Often in history, it's been a horrible, horrible understanding of the facts. Stupid things get done. I would not, however, be surprised if even today, if statistics supported that less crime is committed by married men than single men or married women than single women. Okay. And so I could I could comprehend that. And that's a weird way. But again, I, you, you have to suppose that the legislators, the, the folks looking to do this, they probably aren't coming at it from the Catholic perspective. Oh, I know that, and I don't expect them to, but all right. Do you think, as an aside, that perhaps this is a reason why, historically, many rulers, not, not all rulers were without personal religion? No. What? Well, just like there's a hashtag campaign that's always like when somebody's being maligned in a thing, there's like hashtag not all fill in the blank. Okay, well, fair enough. I didn't know hashtag that, but I'll, I'll embrace it. Not all rulers in history were absent of religion. Some of them absolutely, they were deeply religious and spiritual people. Yeah. But they were the minority. Yeah. Well, so yes, I would say that. Do you think perhaps that a large number of rulers historically did want a state religion because they recognized the value of religion and reduction of crime and increase of productivity yeah. and increase of procreation to grow the kingdom and the tax base and all of that. Yes. I would have That's a that. whole nother thing, but it's interesting. It's true. It is interesting. All right. In the market for investment worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, what else? What else? Here's another thing. In 1822, we have the first publication of Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm. Wilhelm! Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like there's a better pronunciation to be had here. 
Like Jacob? I don't know. Jacob? I don't know. Jay's, I'm not as familiar with Jay's within the, yeah. the Slavic languages. In some, in some, like in the Norwegian languages, no, not Norwegian, Scandinavian. It's a Y, right? It's a Y. That's why I said Jacob. Did Jacob. I say Jacob? You didn't. You thought it. That's okay. Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm's Grimm's Fairy Tales is published. It's the first publication. It's published. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. Grimm's Fairy Tales. Here we go. There was one other name. I didn't type it. It felt tedious. It was a secondary name for the tales of fairies. I have a feeling you have a much more interesting story to tell us. I have an interesting story. I don't know how well I'll tell it, but it's interesting. Um, 1891, strongman Louis, I'm going to say this as Sire, it's C-Y-R. Mm -hmm. I've never seen that before, and I can't recall what his nationality of origin was to help any there. But on today, in 1891, he basically held withstood the pull of four harnessed horses. That's a lot. That's, that's a lot more than a person would imagine. Mm. Um, he, was a, he was a really interesting dude. There's the list of physical feats that he completed in his lifetime. You really ought to go look at this. Um, one of the others is that he could lift 500 pounds with one finger, which sounds a little fantastical, but I, I will assure you it's not. Um, it's very impressive, but yes. it's not at all impossible. Okay. Um, I myself didn't do this, but I did deadlift with a, a trap bar and go look all that up if it's confusing. Um, but I lifted 500 pounds off the ground using just index finger on each hand. Okay, that's, that's significant. And that was as a <sighs> sophomore or junior. Okay. In high school. Mm -hmm. And so I don't doubt that if this was in fact a human who, by all appearances, did win the genetic lottery of yes. strength, that this was something he did. Um, interesting, his dad was a very, quote unquote, regular sized fellow. His mother was 6'1", 265. She'll keep you out of jail, that's She for sure. basically, yes, she was committing the crimes. Mm -hmm. Dad was at home like, are you going to come home? I made dinner. Mm -hmm. um, she was stout. Now, as a young man, Louis was inspired by stories of legendary strongman Milo of Croton. This is maybe some of, of you, maybe you will recognize the story of picking up a calf Every day as it grows, and then all of a sudden, one day when it's a full-grown cow, you are strong and picking up a full-grown cow. Because you've done a little every day. That's right. Yes. So it's a linear progression, mm -hmm. which is what we did when we lifted That's together. Right. Yeah. So he tried this, mm -hmm. but his calf ran away, damn it. Oh, damn it. So he, not to be put off, he did transition to a bag of grain, adding two more pounds a day. I couldn't find where it said how far he made it with that. Okay. But it was just one example of his, his training and things that he did. Um, now, playing into his own developing legend, his mother had decided on his behalf that he should grow his hair out like Samson, and then she herself made sure that it was curled on a regular basis. Just for an added loveliness effect. You gotta, you gotta play the part. At age 18 was the first time he entered into an official strongman contest. He lifted a horse 
off of the ground. Now, not so rudimentarily as just, you know, went in and got under it and stood Whoa. up and all of that. They'd, yeah. they'd attached some type of apparatus so that he could lift it from a more mechanically advantageous position. Okay. But you're talking about 1,500 pounds minimally is, is what we're estimating here. You can quote-unquote cheat that all you want. It's still pretty damn impressive. That's extremely impressive. And when you first told me this, I was imagining, I was like, how do you even... He touched the wiener. Don't do that. <laughs> A 1,500-pound horse, how you wrap your arms around it and right. humanly, physically lift right. it. And that was the whole perspective of attaching whatever yeah. apparatus they did was to make something that he could grab a hold of. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, he he continued into his 40s, and I can't remember if it was at age 40 or just a hair beyond was his final competition that he yeah. participated. And he didn't live much long after that because he had steadily put on weight over his lifetime, both muscular, but also he was well known for his joy of eating and drinking. And I feel like at the point of his death, he was getting pretty close to, to 400 pounds as a human. And it wasn't all muscle. It wasn't all muscle. If it were, he would have upset the whole gravitational pull of the earth. So, yeah. Interesting dude. If 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 that's something that interests you, what was the name? Go go look this guy up. His name is Louis Sire C Y R. You'll you'll find stories enough to keep you busy for some time. Okay. All right. I've got a few more for you. Three mm -hmm. and other things. Nineteen oh five, the world light heavyweight boxing title. It's a thing is one when the defending champion retired just a little over halfway through the bout. That is domination. I feel like that's a George Costanza moment. Yes. Costanza yeah. being like, you know what? I'm going to go out on top. Yeah. I'm out. I feel like that's what this guy did. He, he punched. Like, it hit me in the neck. It hurt. I don't yep. want to fight anymore. Not going to fight. Just I, checking it in. I was the reigning king, but you know what? I retire. Yeah. I'm going out on top. Good for you. Unnamed man in history. Well, I didn't write the name down. I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. In 1946, we have the premiere of a Christmas classic. It's a Wonderful Life. I've uh, never watched it. I've watched it enough for both of us. You watched it recovering from a yes. surgery? You remembered from surgery to get wisdom teeth carved out of my head. Yes. Um, in between Vicodin and all of that. I'm not kidding. That's what they gave us back then. Um, I drifted in and out and just repeatedly watched a VCR tape of It's a Wonderful Life. I, it must have played, my goodness, over the course of three or four days, however many times you could play it. Years and years after that, I would get my wisdom teeth out when we were newlyweds and you took care of me. I and did. That was the first time. I mean, we were like, brand, we were like le less than six months married, I feel like. I had my wisdom teeth out. I got... Not really a dry socket, but pretty close. Yeah. And it was not lovely, but I didn't watch a It's a Wonderful Life. How dare you? Well, I I used the tape all up. <laughs> it was all, it was all, you know, when you watch a VCR yep, too many times. Scrolling. Yeah, exactly. Bars rolling through the screen. Yes. Slowed and garbled language. People of a certain age know exactly what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. All right. In 1957... Our friend, mine and yours, Elvis Your Presley. Protégé. 
You trained him to sing. He didn't know how. Okay. He receives his draft notice for the U.S. Army. And he did serve. It wasn't the same as how a lot of people served, but he did serve. Yep. He could have finagled his way through into avoiding it, as did so many celebrities of different things. Some of them even changing their religions so that they wouldn't have to fight. Interesting. Yeah. That was a boxer whose name I won't say. Okay. Well, how about Advent? It is time for some Advent. It is Sunday. It's the fourth Sunday of Advent. This is it, you guys. We've been doing these daily. Our children are tired of us doing them daily. Mm. Kyle's tired of doing it daily. I am. I'm so ready just to Christmas. It's almost the Christmas season. Please don't forget the Christmas season begins on December 25th, lasts for 12 days, until Epiphany in January. The first reading, I'm going to read it because it's super long. It is long. It's from 2 Samuel, a selection of verses. I love 1 and 2 Samuel. These are the story of David. I've taught both of these in the past. Well, do you want to read this? Nope. Okay. I didn't realize you had such affinity. I do. I deeply, I am, I deeply man crush on David. You have had a long time man crush on King David. Yep. I hope you get to meet him in the... Uh, the great by and by. I'm guessing it has to happen. Okay. Well, when King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from his enemies on every side, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God dwells in a tent. Nathan answered the king, Go do whatever you have in mind for the Lord is with you. I wish I had a prophet who would tell me that. Right on. Every time I think of an idea. Yeah. But that night, the Lord spoke to Nathan and said, Go, tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Should you build me a house to dwell in? It was I who took you from the pasture and from the care of the flock to be commander of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you went, and I have destroyed all your enemies before you. And I will make you famous like the great ones of the earth. I will fix a place for my people Israel. I will plant them so that they may dwell in their place without further disturbance. Neither the wicked shall continue to afflict them as they did of old since the time I appointed judges over my people Israel. I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also reveals to you that he will establish a house for you. And when your time comes and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up an heir after you sprung from your loins, and I will make his kingdom firm. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall stand firm forever. Yeah. The suspicion of David in the aftermath of this is that that promise would be fulfilled through his son Solomon. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the case, nope. as it turns out. Right. But Solomon was a type for what would later come as Jesus. Exactly. So it's so interesting. Go ahead, please. There's go. so much. There's so much here. You you take this part. I'll just add one more piece to that. Um, as a type leading in, it was Solomon who, when he took over the throne, the very one of the very first things that he did was he brought an additional throne in and set it at his right hand for his birth mother, Bathsheba, the queen mother. Yes. This established for the Davidic kingdom, it went on for many kings, Mm. that the queen mother was a very significant 
portion of the rule. Why wouldn't it be Solomon's wife? Because he had hundreds of them and even hundreds more concubines. They literally, if they all took a day apiece, they wouldn't fit into a year's time. And so good counsel, good advice, and someone who cared genuinely and deeply about him certainly would have been his mother. And this was then Bathsheba as a type of what would become Mary, our blessed mother, the queen mother who now sits at the right hand of Christ in heaven. That's absolutely right. So this is both um, both God speaking to David in the moment where he is right now, mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, I feel bad because here I am in this beautiful palace, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, where the holiness of God dwells is out in a tent. I feel bad about this. And God is like, listen. I've been here, I am, and I will always be. Uh, kind of setting his mind at ease, but but rest assured, coming ahead and, and, and in the future, I don't worry about it. I've got this taken care of. I'm establishing a kingdom. I wonder, I wonder, because again, as, as awesome as David was, part of the reason David was awesome is because he made so many mistakes, but was still considered to be a man after God's own heart. Yes. I wonder in the moment if David had viewed this from the perspective of like somebody giving you a boost over a wall mm-hmm. and then you reach down to pull them up after you. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, so God, you help me out. Now it's my turn to help exactly. you out. Exactly. And God was like, hold on, bro. <laughs> you kind of missed the whole thing that happened here. Exactly. That's beautiful. Let's leave off there because the responsorial psalm is from Psalm 89, Selections. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. The promises of the Lord I will sing forever through all generations. My mouth shall proclaim your faithfulness. For you have said my kindness is established forever. In heaven you have confirmed your faithfulness. I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, forever I will confirm your posterity and establish your throne for all generations. He shall say of me, you are my father, my God, the rock, my savior. Forever I will maintain my kindness towards him and my covenant with him stands firm. And so really, truly, this, what he's saying, this reflects back that in 2 Samuel, God is promising to David, the king, from you, from your loins, Mm -hmm. David, will come my house and my kingdom. It's going to come through you. This is like sort of firming up the Davidic covenant, right? Yes, yes. And promising that through the house of David, through King David, the Messiah would come and and establish God's kingdom forever. This psalm, and I don't know if it was written by David or not, but this psalm reflects that, a confirmation of the fact that forever, I will be establishing my kingdom, my covenant with him stands firm. Do you want to take the second reading? It's from Romans. Of course, on Sunday masses, we have this New Testament mm-hmm. uh, prior to the gospel of the New Testament, either a, an apostolic letter or another part of the New Testament. It's from Romans this week. Romans 16. So St. Paul. Yes. Brothers and sisters. To him who can strengthen you, according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret for long ages, but now manifested through the prophetic writings and according to the command of the eternal God made known known to all nations, to bring about the obedience of faith 
To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul just wrote that as a single sentence. That's one sentence, my dears. St. Paul um, definitely had a beautiful ability to communicate ideas to the people to whom he was writing. Yes, and unique to whoever it was that was receiving it. Absolutely. I think what stands out to me in this is that this is... uh, this, this was the mystery that was kept secret for a long ages. It now has been manifested through prophetic writings and according to the command of the eternal God. Like he's acknowledging the fact to the, the Christians of Rome, like this is the, this is the man. Jesus was the man, the Messiah that we were looking for, waiting for. From was, the Davidic covenant. Exactly. Yeah. And the prophecy we've even talked about, the prophecy go even stretching back further than that. Yes. Yes. The prophecies about the Messiah were many and had endured for thousands, hundreds of years. And then here is Jesus. Tens of thousands. Yes. Honestly, the expectation would have gone all the way back to original sin in the Garden of Eden, where yeah. they knew salvation was necessary. And so... Absolutely was expectation from there on. Yes. That leads us into the gospel. As we look to St. Luke telling us, you know, tradition tells us, and I didn't realize this until we became Catholic. Tradition tells us that St. Luke based his gospel, especially the early chapters, on actual conversations with our Blessed Mother, with Mary herself, mm-hmm. telling him these. this is how these things happened. I didn't realize that until we had come into the Catholic Church, but somebody had to record this. Like, how yes, did how would Saint Luke? Luke, Luke he was there. even an apostle. Yeah, he wasn't an apostle. He was coming. You ain't even later. been here, Luke. And so, it really underscores and emphasizes the importance of the oral tradition amongst the apostles, amongst the yeah. people of the time, amongst the early church. Here is Mary telling what we understand to be Saint Luke. This is how all of this happened. This is the Annunciation. This is the Incarnation. This is the pivotal moment, the the transfiguring moment in time where God himself comes down in the form of Jesus and comes yeah. as a tiny baby. And this is the... A moment, fetus. A fetus, as it were. Which is still a life. Yes. And so here we are. This is the Annunciation passage. Do you want to read or do you want me to? Why don't you go ahead? Okay. So this is from Luke 1. And it's verses 26 through 38. The gospel for this, the fourth Sunday of Advent. We've had a lot of readings, but we're drawing ever closer to Christmas. So might as well cover the Annunciation now. Yes. The angel who? Gabriel. Yes, of course. Back in black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing is impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done according to me, done to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. So this is Mary's fiat. Yes, I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> now I don't have to. Mary's fiat, which gives for us, as Mary does in so many ways and so many things, a model of perfect faith. Of encouraging her husband not to commit crime. <laughs> Well, in a way, you could say that, but yes. we won't go there. Um, Mary shows us that because of her immaculate conception, she was created without original sin, that in that state of grace, Gabriel greeted, greeted her as full of grace, renaming right. her as yeah. the one full of grace. Very significant. Name changes yes. are significant transitional points. That in her state of being, as being full of grace, not tainted by original sin, that our hearts are drawn towards communion with God, towards being one with God, towards not resisting what God asks of us, asks of us but of being ready, willing, and excited, maybe in some ways, about being in alignment with God. Yes. And so this is... Of course, this is the incarnation moment. It's so sacred. It's so pivotal, so holy. It's the subject of so much artwork and pondering and meditation through the years that this young Palestinian Hebrew woman would be able to say, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. It's, it's the truest model of faith. Yes. Coming from a woman. Absolutely. Not a man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very valid. Do you have any other thoughts? I have a myriad of other thoughts, but that's probably plenty. Okay. Um, for digestibility's sake. Okay. Well, let's whirl. Okay. Watch, read, listen, life, style. Bring it on. Well, you could certainly go watch It's a Wonderful Life, especially if you're going to be getting your wisdom teeth out over the holidays. <laughs> I can recommend it. Ah, that's good. That's good. It's a good show with narcotics. Mmm, good to know. Any reads? I don't have a new read. I'm still, I'm still with Revelations of Divine Love from Julian of Norwich. That's... There's a lot to meditate It's not a fast read. It's not. I have to stop every paragraph and think and pray for a long time. Mm -hmm. So that. You reading anything? No, not really. Just, I would assume at at this stage of preparation for Christmas Day that most people are probably pretty busy scheduled. I'm assuming it's only the most dedicated of readers who are still reading in this moment. Could be wrong. More power to you, power readers. Yeah. You read on. What should the good people listen to? You have an Elvis-themed suggestion. I do. Blue Christmas. It's a fantastic song. He got his draft orders, and he also sang Blue Christmas. Yes. Go celebrate. Um, If you'd like to meditate further on the Annunciation, may I make a suggestion? You may. We've mentioned... You've run out of time. I'm sorry. Next. Okay, just kidding. What's your recommendation, my sweet? We've mentioned before that our favorite recording of the rosary, the prayer that is the rosary, uh, was done by the late Father Kevin Scallon, may he Mm -hmm. rest in peace, a priest who 
has an Irish priest who has recorded the rosary. In addition to just praying the rosary with you, each introduction to each mystery of the rosary, he does a little teaching, a little catechesis. And quick, his, it's quick and fast. Very quick. But it's there. So if you look up the uh, Joyful. Joyful Mysteries of the Rosary done by Father Kevin Scallon, you can find them on YouTube or on, on Spotify for sure. And listen to just the first mystery of the Joyful Mysteries of the Annunciation. His opening thoughts on the Annunciation are very inspirational. And I think will help you truly, especially on this Sunday, to be in the mindset of pondering alongside our Blessed Mother, alongside Mary, the wonder that is the incarnation of Christ. Come for the Annunciation, stay for the finding of Jesus in the temple. <laughs> it's your favorite mystery. Catholics will appreciate that. That's I the love last that of the mystery. Fun. It's my. It's, it's one. one of my favorites. We can talk about that another day. Yeah. Um, lifestyle. You have all the lifestyles. One more thing. Oh. About the rosary. If you just like Kyle and I, and you might like to, yeah. you like Kyle and I, you're curious about the rosary, or you like to pray. If you the like rosary, Meg, and you can tolerate me. You can also find on Spotify Rosary Together. Yeah. Or in any podcast app. It's us praying the rosary together. That's it. Yes, that's right. Okay. Speaking of rosaries, we just sold two out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Two. Yes. Um, one of them being, in my opinion, the most beautiful, grandest, most precious materials rosary that I have made to date. Absolutely. It's a gorgeous it's one. Someone turquoise bought it. and Mexican amber and spiny oyster shell and somebody finally snatched it up it's stunning it's absolutely stunning okay lifestyle i do have two. First of all i had a burning desire we've been talking a lot about desire lately yes we have recognizing desire helping understanding how desire helps us to know what to do like to know what god wants us to do absolutely yeah. I have had this building desire to... Not for me. No, this is completely inward. Not for you? You just agreed. I thought you said not from me. No, no, not for me. I my I just made sad Christmas face. <laughs> you know, you have five kids. I definitely you have You definitely have no you. more desire. It's done. Don't touch me, you dirty... Go commit a crime. Get out of here. I'm not here for your... I'm kicking you out on the streets. <laughs> Go entertain yourself other ways. No. I thought you said it was not a desire from you. Like, you weren't pressuring me to do this. Well, this that's, came, that's true, for this, sure. This was completely intrinsic to me. I was ready to take my beautiful Suburban, my truck, to the car wash. I had not yet had a chance to use my leather cleaner uh, right. yeah. uh, conditioner on it. I've been itching to do that. We Last weekend, we were snowed in, and I couldn't do anything that I wanted to do. So I took it to the car wash. I pulled into the vacuum bay to get it all vacuumed out, to spend some time with the Armor All wipes to clean the non-leather surfaces with this special leather cleaner I got for the leather. And I was looking around. There were other people there who were spending their Saturday, sometime in their Saturday afternoon, cleaning up their vehicles and their vehicles look nice. My truck looks nice. It does indeed. Their vehicles look nice. And I was like, you know what? It was one of those moments where I was like, I'm... we just became best friends. Yeah. And I was like, I'm 43 years old. My whole life. I thought I'm not a person who takes good care of my car. No, 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 no. That's a lie from the pit. 
I can be because I have this inward desire. Not mm-hmm. everybody has to be a person who goes to the car wash every Saturday. It's fine, whatever. But I can be that person. I don't have to be. Yeah, a but person. for right now, yes, you're inspired and you followed inspiration. I did. Now I did a very deep cleaning for me. I'm going to have this former detailer I'm sitting next to take a look and see what I can do to keep up the the cleanliness and the awesomeness of the inside. Well, I didn't say this earlier, but here's the biggest thing, truly, yeah. is that as long as you're putting forth, even if it's a bad effort, even if it's a toddler's drawing that you're bringing me to say, look what I drew, Daddy. Um, as long as your heart's there and you're doing some little things along the way, we will push the budget to include a professional detailing on a relatively regular basis. Okay. You don't have to become the detailer. That's not what you really want to do. No, but I do want it to be that clean. Yeah. And, and so it will be. It will be. Okay. So that was a fun thing today. Another thing that I did today. Many, this seems like so long ago, before Nico was born, before I was even really showing with Nico, a very lovely couple in our church. Our church has a lot of families, yep. a lot of growing families. Yep. A couple in our church who knew that I was, we were having another baby and that we'd already gotten rid of all of our baby gear before we were Catholic, reached out and said, hey, we've got a ton of stuff. We're not using it. Let us bring you some baby gear. So it's been in our home for a long time, um, like over two years. And finally, and it's been downstairs because I've been like, okay, I'm going to get it back to them. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to do it. This has been months, months. Six plus. Yes. Nico's 18 months old. Yes. So at least for six months, I've been saying, got to get the baby gear back to these people. And I just have not been making it happen because I had this friction point of thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to take so long. I'm going to have to load it up, blah, blah, blah. Kyle, I made your name into three syllables. I feel like you did. I'm going to go commit a crime now. Before, while you were taking a shower this morning, I loaded that into my truck. I noticed into my that suburban. you weren't peeping on me like normal. Yeah. I... Texted her and said, I'm dropping this off on your porch. You just let that roll through. I know. The people can use their own imagination around that situation. Mike likes to look through the keyhole. It's an old house built in the 1920s. There's a keyhole. She looks through it. <laughs> it's actually usually Nico pushing the door yeah. open while you're showering. Yeah. What's going on it's in here? It's very invasive. I even cover my, my breasts when he does it. That's how disturbing it is. <laughs> anyway, in less than five minutes... I had loaded up all of that baby gear that's been sitting around for months. I uh, loaded up Nico, too. We just were driving around town, running some errands, dropped it off at their house. Less than five minutes to drop it off on their porch. Done. House done and empty done. Up. I feel so, I feel the weight, the physical weight is lifted off yes. of me. And it took so little time compared to how many months I've been cleaning around it and moving it. And just like every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, I got to get it back to them. In less than a total of 15 minutes of hands-on work, it's done. This is a reminder to myself and to anyone who's listening, the thing you've been putting off is probably not going to take you as long as you think it's going to, so just do it. Unless it is your doctoral thesis. That's going to take a while. I know nothing of that world. Don't assume. Don't assume. Don't assume. You're just going to take care of that in 15 minutes, or you'll not be a doctor. That's just my prediction. Okay. But otherwise... 100% agree. Hundo P, as the kids used to say. 
Did they ever say that? They said it. Okay. I say it sometimes. I'm not a kid, though. I say it, but it's it's old. We're old people. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else? Well, I think there is one other thing. It's about how, what kind of day people should have. Well, it should, in fact, be an awesome today that you should have. Would you? Please do. Bye-bye. Bye. Taxes are sometimes weird. In Canada... Makers of children's breakfast cereal are tax-exempt if the cereal contains a free toy. The toy, however, cannot be beer, liquor, or wine. True story. Find Awesome Today and Sorta Awesome Media on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok and literally everywhere podcasts are found. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.